We are busy with the series, studying the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm gonna continue with week seven. And I have just been completely challenged personally, growing like never before in my walk with Jesus by studying these Beatitudes one by one. Is there anyone that can agree with me and say, yes, this has been crazy. What I love about this message and, and studying the Sermon on the Mount is that we are studying the words of Jesus, the preacher, and all we do is we just point to what Jesus said. It's his sermon, and we just explain it to us a little bit more, and we, we try and figure out what exactly it means. And I've been hearing countless stories from you guys of how the series have led you to a better understanding of what it is to be a follower of Christ. The one scholar of the Bible said it like this, with each beatitude, we nail another nail into the coffin. And that coffin holds the corpse of a false understanding of salvation. And that false understanding of salvation is that you can be saved without being changed. Or that you can experience eternal life or earn eternal life without your attitudes and your action and your behaviors ever changed. So with every beatitude, we're looking at our lives and saying, God, am I truly merciful? Because if I'm saved, then I've got to live in a life that's merciful. Am I truly pure? at heart? Do I hunger and thirst for you? The Beatitudes, one after the other, come and say, you have to die to self because it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives within you. And in essence, it's giving us a new heart. The more we study it, we realize that Christ has given us a new heart, and therefore, the rhythm of our heart has to beat in accordance to the way of life that he has for us. It has to come into sync with the rhythm of the heartbeat of Christ. So it's been amazing to be so challenged by the word and say, God, am, am I living in according to the heartbeat that you truly want me to live? Or are there things that I need to look at and for you need to come and minister to me and help me understand this better? So this morning we are in the seventh beatitude, the second last one. And Matthew 5 verse 9 reads like this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's pray together. Christ Jesus, thank you for these words. Thank you that your words are life, your words are freedom, your words are truth. And that you said the promise in the end is that whoever hears these things and puts it into action, their lives will be like a house that's built on a rock. And the winds and the storms of life might come, but that house will stand. And I pray, Lord, as we as we study the next verse this morning, what it is to be a peacemaker, that through the power of your spirit, you will speak to our hearts, Jesus, that we will hear your words, that you would use me in a way that, that you are glorified and that you receive all honor and that each one of us are challenged in our walk with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your anointing. Thank you that this is done because of you and not because of man. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. It's important for me, just a little terms and conditions before I get going, because you might be a lady here this morning thinking, okay, what, what about us? The word there, the Hebrew word or Greek word that's used, I don't, I'm not gonna try and pronounce it, but speaks about, about sonship, which means children of God, and it includes the feminine side of it as well. So just clarity there. Don't worry, it's not just men who are children of God, um, but it speaks about sonship 
And it comes out of the culture of understanding what a son has in the father, in the Jewish culture's house, and how a son has exactly what the father has. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. So ladies, you are completely included in all of this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. This addresses the very fault at the beginning. Because if we study, and I read it again this week, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, it's amazing what God had for us from the start, where male and female lived together in complete harmony in the presence of God and how he walked with his people in the cool of day and there was complete peace. And then we know the story, God actually said that he looked at all of it and he said, this is good, this is beautiful, this is whole, this is right. And then the enemy came and he had disrupted that harmony and that peace that existed in the beginning. And then all of a sudden the world and each one of us until we find Jesus, find ourselves in a place where that harmony doesn't exist and the peace of God doesn't exist and we're not experiencing it. And the ultimate act of peacemaking happened at the cross where Jesus stepped in and said, I'm going to be a peacemaker between man and God again. And it's at that moment of the gospel that God moves us. The gospel moves us from being peace breakers to becoming peacemakers. Because since the fall, since we've become sinful in our nature, all we do is we go through life and we break the peace and we bring this harmony in our relationships, the way we think, the way we do things, until we encounter Jesus. And when he comes and steps in, he is the bridge between peace breaking and peacemaking. And he comes and he says, I'm the Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And of his government and reign, there will be no end. And that government is the government of peace that Jesus brought into this life. So we've got to start at the gospel again. When Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, he was saying to them, you can experience peace in its fullness and you can convey peace because of me. And you'll be blessed and happy and envied when you get this. And then the world will look at you and they will say, that must be the children of God. Sons and daughters of God are happy peacemakers. We love doing this. We love stepping into situations where there's disharmony and say, you know what? We've got something to give and something to bring because of the God we serve and the Jesus who led us to a position of peace. I use the word happy there because that's what the word blessed means. If you haven't picked up on that in this series, is happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And I want to flip this around. I want to say happy are the children of God, for they will be peacemakers. The moment you understand that you're a child of God, your identity comes from Him, not from your surname, not from your family background, not from what you do, not from what you've done, not from your sinful past, but a child's identity comes from the Father. The moment you understand that peacemaking will be a natural flow of life for you. And it's quite interesting to note that if you study that word peacemaker, and this is, this is great, if you study that word peacemaker, it actually means to be ministers of wholeness. So blessed are the ministers of wholeness, for they truly are the children of God. And I stopped just there personally this week and said, God, am I completely whole? Because life does 
throws stuff at me and there's a whole lot of brokenness. So help me see again what it means to be completely whole in the cross. Because at the cross, Jesus has done it all. He has healed over every wound. He has touched every area of brokenness. And he sees us completely whole. Yet we don't see ourselves like that. And then we try out of our own strength to bring peace into situations. But we didn't have a revelation of our identity in the Father yet. So it says so much more than just you've got to make sure that you bring peace to the world around you. That minister of wholeness, the one commentary wrote it like this, it's to bravely declare God's terms which makes someone whole. I'm going to read it again. To minister wholeness is to bravely declare God's terms which makes someone whole. Who of you have ever been in those family feud situations? where the brother and the sister are having a little bit of a, a, a scuffle, or, oh my word, mom is in that mood again, or like, I don't wanna spend Decembers with my family because uh, it's probably gonna end up in that moment and it's awkward. So what we do is we peace keep. We just kind of like, ah, just rather gonna, just don't say anything. When Omar reacts like that, just we, we prep the kids even, just don't say anything. Don't big eyes or, or the kids go big eyes and you give them a little stump. Or, you know those family situations? Anyone like that? Listen, or, or is it just me? So, so what we do is we peace keep or that situation at work or when your spouse, you, you know those moments. And we just, okay, let me just take a moment. Okay, thank you. I'm not gonna say anything right now. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to bravely declare God's terms because that will bring wholeness when that scoffle happens to come and say you know what can we just all take our humanness aside and look to the father what would the father say in this moment maybe if we understand that we are children of God we need to act a little bit differently instead of reacting we are acting out of wholeness and we are ministering wholeness to one another. That's what it means to be a peacemaker instead of a peacekeeper. And it's difficult. It really is difficult to open up our mouths in those moments. But I believe if you are a child of God and you are that connected to the Father through Jesus Christ and the empowering of the Spirit in your life, you will be a peacemaker in this world. You can step into any situation and you can say, let's declare truth bravely and it will shift people into a place of wholeness. I think the ultimate position to be in in this life is to be in that place where you see yourself whole in Jesus, where the winds and waves of life can happen and you can stand. There's something about spending time with someone who has that revelation. Have you ever met someone that they just call them? Just, they, just, they just keep, every time you meet them, it's just a sense of, I can breathe here. Those are the people that has a revelation that they are whole because of the Father and they are sons and daughters of God. The greatest compliment you can have as a son or daughter of God is when people say, I can see you're a son of the Most High. I can see you're a daughter of the Most High. So peacemaking is to bring wholeness into the story. It's to step in to say, because of Christ, we are made whole. Let's rather take that angle than being quiet and not saying, anything. I think it's difficult today. Lena and I had a discussion this morning waking up. We live in Gordons Bay. Anyone who want to join us with that? It is the worst thing ever. Coming from 
up north, growing up in Pretoria where wind is not really present, I absolutely despise the wind. I just, I can't deal. It's, you sleep and at two o'clock at night, it's ga 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 and you wake up and really it's bad. You guys who live in Somerset West, you've got no idea. If you say the wind is blowing, just come visit us for tea. It's a different story. Um, I, I realize that the people in Somerset West pay for the non-wind. That's what you pay for moving to Somerset West. Because the wind is massive in Gordons Bay. Really, it's, it's bad. Last night, I struggled to sleep because there was no wind. So you grow so accustomed to the wind that when there's no wind, you're like, oh my word, this is weird. Something, and I'm, I can't sleep because... And I thought about that. That's what this world has become. There's the wind of disharmony that when you actually find peace, you're like, oh no, something's got to be wrong now. Can it actually be this peaceful? This is actually too good to be true. But we've grown so accustomed to the wind of disharmony, we have to find peace again. Because the standard, the custom shouldn't be the craziness. It should be the... And when Jesus stepped into this life, he brought all of that. And he said, you will be blessed and happy if you can take this further. Because you are my son and you are my daughter. And everything you need for that, I place in you. So be a minister of peace into this world. And then if we fast forward in the Sermon on the Mount, he speaks later on about loving our enemies. It says in Matthew 5, verse 44, few verses down and we'll get there through our series. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. If you understand your position in the Father, it doesn't matter that whoever throws what at you, you will minister wholeness. And he says, when your enemies come up against you, instead of reacting, pray for them and love them. Doesn't make sense, Jesus, because Surely I should tell them what I think about them and the situation and how they've made me feel. No, pray for them and love them. But it's so difficult. Well, you are in me and I'm your father and you carry my identity, so it shouldn't be difficult. But that's what God is intending for each one of us. John Piper said it so well. He says about peacemaking. Peacemaking tries to build bridges to people. It does not want the animosity to remain. It wants reconciliation. It wants harmony. And so it tries to show what may be the only courtesy the enemy will tolerate, namely a greeting. Peacemaker looks to the enemy right in the eye and says, good morning, John. And he says it with a longing for peace in his heart, not with a phony gloss of politeness to cover his anger. Will we be the people who step even into the situations with our enemies Say good morning with a deep desire to bring unity and harmony with this disharmony again. Remember that you are whole. Nothing can bring you brokenness again when you allow it because I'm in your life. If you allow me, I'll keep you in a place of wholeness. So why don't you take that wholeness across and go minister it to the person next to you? Minister the truth in a way that will bring wholeness to the other person. Isn't that a whole different scope on all of this? Yes, isn't this challenging to the core? Because we do it differently. It's just a nature. You've got to ask yourself, do you bring wholeness or do you bring disruption? Every situation, every conversation, are you someone who ministers wholeness or are you the one who causes disruption? Some of us might be so proud in our wholeness as a Christian that you go and you, you tell people straight. 
that might not be what the Father wants you to do. Instead of you going, it's like, yeah, I want to tell you something that you've done. Or we should rather just step back and say, Father, I'm secure in you. What is your heart for that person? My heart is for you to simply pray for them and love them. But, but I want to tell them, no, you know what? Pray for them and love them. You've got wholeness. Now share the wholeness that you have. I want us to turn our pages to Second Peter 1, and there's three thoughts that I'm going to share from here before I conclude the message this morning. Second Peter 1, we're going to read verses 3 to 10, but we're going to read it intermittently. But the first point I want to make is that children possess the nature of the Father. The moment you're a son or a daughter, you have that nature in you. Let's read what it says in Second Peter Verses three, it says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let's pause there for a minute, have a look at that. Everything you need for godliness is given to you through the divine power of Christ Jesus. You lack nothing. You've been given the full armor, all the weapons, everything at your disposal to live a godly life. So in some way, we don't have an excuse because Christ has given it all to us. And then it continues by saying, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So he's given us everything we need to live a godly life and he's given us a knowledge of the glory that he is and how amazing he is and then he's given us promises to live this life. And then this verse continues, it says, so that through them, this knowledge, the promises, everything he's given you, you may be partakers of the divine nature. There it is. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. What God is saying here is when you are a son and a daughter in Christ Jesus, in me, I give you everything you need. You've got full custodianship of the house with me because you are now a son and daughter and there at your disposal are all the weapons that you need to live a godly life, all the keys, all the food, everything in my house, it's for your enjoyment because I'm an excellent God. I'm one who, who lives in glory and honor. Now you exercise that divine nature. When they send you out into the world as a son, as a daughter, are you carrying the nature of God? And then this continues, we've got to have a revelation that we have that nature. But then it says, children develop the character of the father. You might own it, but unless you develop it, you're not going to show it. I'm going to say this again. You might own that nature, but unless you develop it, you're not going to show it. It's like going to the gym and exercising a muscle. Unless I actually exercise, that muscle is in there, but it will only grow to what it could potentially be if I exercise it. So Second Peter 1 continues, it says, for this reason, for what reason? The reason we just gave you, that you have everything you need for godliness. Therefore, for this reason, make every effort. Everyone say every. Not some effort, not a little bit of effort. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness. Training the muscle, one rep after the next. Okay, God, I'm done with five kgs, I'm going to pick up the 10 kgs. I'm going to move from virtue to knowledge, 
Okay, God, I'm done with the 15. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the 20 now. I'm going to add a little bit of self-control in my workout. That's what he is saying. You have the nature, now exercise the nature so that the character of the Father could be in you. And it continues saying, and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Look at that progression. It starts with faith. And then we add virtue. I really want to passionately pursue this Jesus and what he has for me. And when we do that, we gain knowledge. We get the knowledge we need. We're exercising this muscle. And that muscle suddenly becomes self-control. Now that I have this knowledge, now that I understand this morning that I'm a son and daughter and I stand positioned in the Father, I shouldn't retaliate. I should rather minister wholeness. I'm actually now going to control myself and do it. And when we exercise self-control, we become steadfast. We become that calm water where you spend time with someone and they're like, oh my word, when I'm around them, it's just, it's steadfast. And then the steadfastness becomes godliness. We show the world the excellence of God and what it is to be a son and daughter. And then that becomes brotherly affection. And because of that brotherly affection and we can stand one to one another, there is true, authentic love. And the third point, not only do we own it and we exercise it, but then children effectuate the glory and excellence of the Father. Then the world will look to us and say, oh my goodness, those Christians, those people who sing so loud on a Sunday and do all these things, yes, they are manifesting an excellence that I have not seen anywhere else. Then the glory of the Father rests upon our lives and we show it to the world. Continues in 1 Peter. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. In the end, this whole message is about one thing, giving God more glory. Blessed are those who minister wholeness and brings peace. Because the world will look at them and say, oh wow, these are God's children. The world ain't gonna do it. They're not gonna bring wholeness. They're not gonna bring peace. It's gonna bring disharmony, disruption. But we have a responsibility because we have a new heart. And not only will we saved, but we've gotta change the way we live. And all of us this morning stand guilty in one way or another where we've held an offense, where we've caused an offense, where our pride has come into the way and we make others feel blah because they just didn't get it yet. So I'll tell you because shame. Maybe one day you'll understand it and you'll have the revelation. That's not the Father's heart. Father's heart is, hey, you're my son. I've made you whole. So why don't you go across the road because there's someone there that doesn't have it. Romans 8 says, bless those who curse you. Love those who persecute you. Pray for those who are opposing you. That's what it means to be a peacemaker and a bringer of wholeness. And then I want to end with this last verse. The very last part of this passage in 1 Peter. For in this way, when you do all of this, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There he is again. He didn't just come to save us. 
He determines our every step. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are ready to meet each one of us where we're at. Lord, the word says that when your word goes out like that, it cuts our hearts because it's your truth. Sometimes our hearts are filled with other things, other thoughts, other ideas of what it looks like. But this morning you've been doing surgery on our hearts and you've been saying, I wanna give you a new heart. In fact, I have, but I wanna let you know what the rhythm and heartbeat sounds like. Some of us have might been out of sync and our hearts have been beating to a different tempo, different rhythm, but this morning you wanna come by your Holy Spirit and you wanna reset our hearts to your heartbeat. Jesus, this morning I'm so aware that many of us still just struggle with step one, with that big word brokenness. And we're sitting here this morning and we're saying, that's just, that's just too big. I don't have that revelation even that I'm whole. Thank you for the way you've ministered to us today, that you've broken every chain. Some of us are feeling unworthy to come to you. But the invitation was there this morning to lay those things aside, that seaweed that's, that's pulling us back and for us to step into wholeness because you have given us everything we need that pertains to this life and to godliness. Jesus, we thank you again for the finished work of the cross, not the work of the cross, the finished work of the cross. That because of what you've done and because of where you've taken death upon yourself, you have now given us and bestowed upon us everything in your house so that we can live this life victoriously. I pray this morning, Jesus, if there are any broken hearts this morning where you wanna say, my son, my daughter, come to me so that you understand how I see you. I pray, Lord, that you would open our minds. The scripture says, Jesus, that you opened their minds to understand. That you would open minds this morning to understand what it is to be a son and a daughter of God. 